Taco Bell, Bed Bath & Beyond, Bose, Amazon, and Aston Martin on this week's episode of News Entrepreneur's Experience. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of news that entrepreneurs experience. This is an opportunity once a week that I take to recap some of the blog posts that I may have posted over the past week. And the idea here is to grab some headlines that are happening out in the business world and uh, find a thread in them that entrepreneurs can relate to. And why? Well, because I think it's tough being an entrepreneur. I think it's lonely being an entrepreneur. I don't think there's a lot of folks that you can chat with or a lot of places that you can get real kind of practical advice. And so my hopes are to do one of two things, if not both, is to put a stone in your shoe and annoy you with something that I find and annoy you into wanting to make some changes or to give you, I don't know, maybe a little bit of encouragement. Maybe something that I find in a news headline is relatable to whatever you're going through right now. And so in my little way, this is how I like to give back and try to help entrepreneurs that are out there trying to build profitable and valuable businesses. Uh, A couple little housekeeping notes before I get going. If you haven't already, make sure that you sign up for your BridgeCap account at bridgecap.ca. It's a new initiative that has been launched at Bridge Capital, and it's meant to be an account to help entrepreneurs fix, fund, and grow their business. And so the idea is that you'll create a profile based on one of those three criteria, and then you'll be able to access content and some tools that relate to that particular category. And then if it turns out that you need some help, then of course, Bridge Capital is there to help you. And uh, there's a bit of a development timeline for releasing and launching some new tools. So if you haven't gotten your BridgeCap account, make sure that you do that. And what else? What else? Um, As always, I appreciate the notes, especially the text messages that I receive once these episodes go live. It went from getting one text message a week to getting a couple uh, within the same day of um, an episode being uh, released. So This is obviously getting into the earbuds or the ears of someone, and uh, it's really great that you take the time to say something because um, it encourages and inspires me to keep doing this. All right, so let's get going. Uh, The first article, first blog post, first topic that I had um, mentioned when um, uh, over this past week here was this article about Taco Bell paying managers 100K a year. And for some of you, you might be thinking, uh, yeah, and what's what's the big deal? Well, out in the fast food world, if you can believe it, managers, they just don't make that much money. In fact, the average manager earns somewhere between fifty dollars and $80,000 a year, which, you know, probably isn't bad. Um, but Taco Bell has announced that it is going to be paying its managers in certain locations. It's going to be paying them $100,000 salary, which is higher, obviously, than the industry average. And they're doing it in an effort to try and attract some better talent. Um, In the blog post that I'd made, I'd mentioned that In-N-Out Burger has been paying managers more than 100 grand a year for almost a decade. In fact, their managers can earn $160,000 a year. That ain't a bad gig. Certainly, that's enough to raise a family and 
have a pretty good middle-class life, which is great. Um, And kind of the thread that I pulled out of this one for entrepreneurs is this idea that good people never cost you money. And I think that, you know, deep down in the pit of our stomachs, I think we know that uh, all businesses are driven by the quality of their people. Um, But oftentimes, I think entrepreneurs don't really put that into practice. I think that, you know, certainly if your business is, is in a tough spot, you might say to yourself, we just can't afford good people or you know, we have the best people that our business can attract. And you might be right, but what if you're wrong? What if there are people that have some knowledge and some experience that if it was brought into your business could really move the needle? And I think that that entrepreneurs who haven't seen this firsthand or haven't had a chance to experience the impact that really good people can make on their business, they tend to just sort of talk philosophically about it and they and you know, a lot of times an entrepreneur will think they're the best, or they might admit that, you know, I'm not the best, but kind of I am, you know, deep down, I think I'm the best. And I really don't think there's anyone better than me, just because I haven't seen it. Well, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean um, that it doesn't exist. And if you are serious about building a profitable and valuable business, then you really, really do need to hire good people who are great at what they do. And a lot of times the analogy that I try to use with entrepreneurs uh, and the businesses that I'm personally involved in is sometimes you just have to trade up the players. You know, there's a time and a place to have a farm team. There's a time when you're playing in the minor leagues and then there's a time when you're trying to get to the major leagues. And if you're in the major leagues, then you then then you will have already appreciated how important people are because you can't play um you can't be the best in the market if you're not going to have the best people. There that's just all there is to it. And so if you want to be the best in the market, you got to hire good people. And I think that's what Taco Bell is trying to do. Um, my opinion would be there's probably a lot of people in the fast food business and they need to be managed and they need to be led. And managers and leaders um, need experience and they need some some knowledge. And Taco Bell is, I think, looking to try and attract those people. And so if you're running a business and, and you sort of see that there's one part of your business that isn't as strong as it could be, recognizing that your business is only as strong as the weakest parts. You know, what would it look like if you made some investments in your existing team, if you felt that there was somebody within that, within your current team that if they took some courses or they got some training or they got some professional coaching, that they could really add a lot of value? Or are you in a position where maybe you should be attracting somebody new to your business and maybe trading out some of your players um, on the team to try and get a better result for the whole team. So as I was reading through, discovering what Taco Bell was up to, it just sort of struck a chord with me that I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that go, yeah, 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 people matter. But at the end of the day, yeah, we just can't afford it. And I would argue you really can't afford to have bad people or people that are not great at what they do. And um, I think there's probably a lot to unpack there. I think entrepreneurs, you know, pride, ego, history, Uh, all that kind of stuff plays into a decision like that. So, you know, I get it. If you think you've got the best players, great. Then keep getting the same result. If you want a better result, then one of the ways to do that is to reevaluate your team, make the hard, the hard changes, and then look, look for the results. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind before I leave this particular headline, people still need to be led. So you can hire great people, but to the extent that you couldn't lead average people, you may have trouble leading good people because they will require that much more from you in terms of uh, 
being able to leverage your knowledge and your experience and being able to um, be encouraged and motivated, et cetera. They can get the result, but they still need to be led. So keep that in mind. Okay, moving on to the next headline. Was bed, bath, and beyond. And um, if you... If this is your source of news, then you should know that Bed Bath & Beyond um, is having a pretty pretty tough go. In fact, their stock price dropped 19% um, over a period of time that was meaningful enough for them to um, kind of schedule the closing of about 60 locations because they're having a hard time figuring out how to make adjustments to their product offering and their... You know, their e-commerce platform isn't as strong as everyone else. And so kind of, as you'll hear in the coming weeks, I've got a couple of other a couple of other businesses that have actually decided to close their doors because they couldn't deal with the retail challenges that they're having. But Bed Bath & Beyond said, you know what, we're, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to pull the ripcord yet. We're not going to lock the doors. In fact, what we're going to do is give us a little bit of time. We're going to kind of sort out what we're doing. We have scheduled to close 60 locations, but maybe, you know what, maybe we're not going to, maybe we're not going to close all of them. Maybe we'll look to keep some of them open. Um, But what we're going to do is stop the bleeding and then, you know, public market people, investors, pension funds, et cetera, all of you who look to us to perform, just give us some time because we're going to just sort of realign what we're doing and figure and figure out what needs, what needs to change. And so it kind of occurred to me that, you know, many entrepreneurs, tend to be, I know I make these broad generalizations, but this is really just based on my experience. In my experience, um, generally speaking, entrepreneurs tend to be very sort of binary, you know, zero, one, on, off, hot, cold. If business isn't going well, then they tend to just say, well, let's, you know, just do the best we can, hope for the best. And if at the end of the day, we, we shut our doors, then, then I guess that's just what it is. You know, but I think um, or if, if business is going really well, then they just keep saying to themselves, well, let's not change anything and let's just keep going. But I think there's always an opportunity to reevaluate your business and say, look, either we're number one in our market or we're not. If we are number one, how do we stay number one? If we're not number one, what changes do we need to make? And so you might be in the middle of wrestling through some mistakes that your business has made, or you're on the other side of those mistakes. Now you're trying to make up for them. And I would say to you that this probably isn't the time to think the worst of yourself and your business. This is actually the time to take stock of where you are, kind of like, say, what Bed Bath & Beyond is doing, and say to yourself, okay, 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 we've taken the hits, we've taken the lumps, we've uh, paid the education tax to figure out what's not working. Now, how do we take all of that and figure out how to make it work? And what do we have to work with? You know, we have a base of customers, we have some history, we've generated revenue selling a product or a service. So kind of the raw stuff is there, but changes in the marketplace, changes in technology, changes in people's buying behaviors has impacted our bottom line, our top line and our bottom line. And so what do we need to do? And so then what you do is I think you begin putting together a series of short-term tactics, like we're going to call all our customers, we're going to create a newsletter, we are going to make sure that we have talked to every customer every 90 days for the next 12 months and made sure that you know, we're listening to them and trying to figure out how we can do a better job of providing the product or service that we provide. So you create all these little short-term tactics, but have a long-term strategy that you're trying to achieve. And that strategy can be bottom line driven. It can be top line driven. It can be customer count driven. It can be 
location driven? How many locations are we going to open or how big are we going to become in the marketplace? But have a long-term plan. So be thinking kind of long-term, where are the goalposts? And then begin putting a series of smaller, shorter-term tactics together that your business can execute on. And in doing that, what you should do is probably have no time to be licking your wounds and thinking about how crappy a job you've done. Um, This exercise should uh, encourage you and should get you thinking about the future. And especially if you've already realized a lot of the mistakes that you've made, Um, you know, you got creditors calling, you got the government calling, et cetera. Um, Once they've called once, twice, 10 times, 20 times, at some point you just sort of know what you have to work with and you got to stop thinking about that and get thinking about what do you need to do to to change the results. And so reading through what Bed Bath & Beyond was wrestling with, it really related to... Um, related to a lot of situations that I've seen entrepreneurs go through where instead of just shutting the thing down or not being able to get out of the pit that you're in, that you take some time to just to reevaluate where you are, what you have to work with and what you need to do to get to the other side. However, on the other side of this is Bose. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. For some reason, when I say Bose, it doesn't sound right, but that is how it's spelled, Bose. Bose? Bose? Yeah, Bose. Um, you know, the sound the sound company. They make headphones and speakers and, and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I didn't know this, but they're a privately held business, which is kind of cool. Um, since 1993, uh, Bose has opened 200 locations across the world and recently has decided that they're going to close every single location in North America, Europe, Japan, and Australia. And uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons for this, but basically it has just come down to the fact that what they were doing, their strategy, it worked for a period of time. It no longer works. And so they are retrenching, regrouping, and just picking a totally different strategy to move forward with, uh, or to move forward with on an ongoing basis. And fundamentally, their products now are sold through Amazon, Best Buy, Target, Apple, you know, other online third parties, which makes all these retail locations, you know, unnecessary. However, back in 1993, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you'll know that I've talked a lot about trying to come up with a better customer experience for the folks that are purchasing or using your products and your services. And the reason for that is because if you can deliver a better experience, then your customers will come to associate more value with that experience. And that means you'll be able to charge a higher price. So Bose was able to do that. And uh, since 1993, they sort of came up with uh, this idea of saying, look, let's create these retail locations where people can come in, can talk to an expert, they can look at our awesome products, they can use our awesome products, and let's create believers um, out of our customers through these retail locations. And so that strategy made sense. In fact, it made so much sense that they, they went across the globe opening up locations everywhere. And now they've just decided that it just doesn't work anymore. That particular strategy back, you know, in 1993 made sense. Probably made sense in, you know, 2003, but it didn't make sense in 2019. And so, uh, or 2020 rather. So they're just shutting it down. And the thread that I pulled out of here for you entrepreneurs is that if your business was successful at a particular hack, I call it a hack, not, I don't mean that negatively, but if there was something very unique that your business was doing and it garnered you a lot of customers, it got you a lot of market share, I'd be surprised if that same hack is working for you today. 
Um, and that's because markets are competitive. And if businesses see other businesses doing something interesting, they tend to copy it and try to do it better. And so the thing that worked for you gave you a little bit of a, a window of opportunity, but that window is probably closed. And um, you should be thinking about the next hack or the next thing <laughs> that you need to innovate on in order to deliver better experience um, to your customers and, to, and, and quite frankly, to create more value for them. And if, you, if you're not sure, if you sort of say, no, Dylan, like our hack, it, it still kind of works. Well, does it? Does it really work? Does it work the way it worked before? And if you had to just apply kind of a simple metric and say, the thing that we were doing 10 years ago uh, got us this sort of a result. Today, we're still doing it, and it's getting this kind of a result. If the answer is we're getting a better result, then you can just ignore everything I've said. But I'd be surprised if that's the case, because what happens over time is as something works, entrepreneurs tend to just throw more costs at it. So they'll say, hey, we have this thing, and it's working, and so let's hire some more admin people, or let's let's uh, incur more expenses, which means our margins shrink. And so what was really profitable for us when we first started doing it today is less profitable, but you know what? We've never really thought about that. So um, that might be the situation you find yourself in right now. And maybe your the, the unique thing that you do is still working, but maybe it's not working quite as well, or it's not generating you the same result because you're either growing or shrinking. There's kind of nothing in between. And uh, you might need to revisit that particular strategy. So in the case of both, they just said, look, we're just shutting down our retail locations. It just doesn't work. Um, we're going in we're going to figure out how to work in these e-commerce channels better than we ever have before. And uh, I imagine for them, it's still a discovery exercise as it is for most retailers who had something that was really working for a while. And now with the internet and Amazon and so forth, um, that's really disrupted a lot of unique ideas that are being challenged. And I'm guessing as an entrepreneur, you might find yourself in the same place, but take heart. That's part of running a business. You know, it's not meant to be easy. It's meant to be hard. (laughs) Actually, I don't know if it's meant to be that hard, but it is meant to be challenging because if it was easy, everyone would be doing it and everyone would be making crazy amounts of money. But the truth is only the leaders in the market make money and everybody else just races to keep up with them. And it costs uh, everyone else uh, more money to get a customer than it does the market leader. And so my opinion is you always want to be positioning yourself as a market leader. And the way you do that is by figuring out a way to add more value to your, um, to your customer count. All right, taking a bit of a left-hand turn, I'm uh, talking about Amazon. I think um, if I were to wax philosophically for a moment, I think that I think that businesses and entrepreneurs have a responsibility to contribute back to the community that they earn their revenue from. And uh, I think that in this particular case, Amazon in Seattle, pretty big company, you might have heard of them, they have a pretty big footprint in Seattle. And so I'd come across an article where there is a not-for-profit in Seattle uh, called Mary's Place, and they're going to be running a homeless shelter on the same campus that the Amazon headquarters is located on. And Amazon, um, because of that, Amazon will be paying the rent, the utilities, the maintenance, the security costs, everything associated with the shelter for the next decade or for as long as Mary's Place needs it. And as well, Mary's Place will be able to benefit from the team over at Amazon because there will be just a ton of volunteers available to do all sorts of things like offering coding classes, reading to children, providing resume help, you know, and anything else that Mary's Place might need. So it got me thinking about what does your business do to support the local community? And if 
if you support the local community, why do you do it? And if you don't support the local community, um, why not? My take on this is without, you know, kind of, you know, getting too, too uh, heavy about it. I think that giving back is, is an important part of building a business, but not for the reasons you think. I think that being part of the community means you get to connect with your customers in a different way. Your, you get to connect with your team in a different way, your suppliers and anybody else that touches your business. And, and all of that connection, what that does is it strengthens relationship, uh, relationships. And relationships, of course, are the backbone of, of any business. And I would argue that even if you're a, an e-commerce remote worker business who doesn't have a lot of face-to-face interaction with real people, it's still going to be relationship driven. The brand that your company has built will be based on how it is relationally seen. And a lot of businesses don't really think about their brand in the sense of it being um, the status of a relationship. And I think that good business is always done based on relationships. I think that new opportunities, or I think that opportunities can come to the table that don't otherwise exist if you don't have good relationships. And giving back is one way to do that. There is kind of the altruistic, you know, we're profitable, we take our profits, we give money back to the community. And you know what, that's important that there's a time and a place for that. But that's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the human capital part, the ability to take um, your team, your company and um, have it go and make connections out in the marketplace in a meaningful way that doesn't have anything to do with profit and really just has to do with getting to know the community that your business earns revenue from. And in doing that, not only do you, of course, heighten your um, uh, visibility and brand awareness and all those sorts of things, but you actually get to meet some really neat people. You might find that you can increase the size of your team. You can find new people for your team just by getting out and serving and giving back in particular um, to the community in in a meaningful way. And so looking at Amazon, um, putting kind of this plan together and working with Mary's Place, I just thought it was a good sort of break from the normal things that I talk about because um, I do know um, in some of the businesses that I've been involved with, one in particular, the kind of non-businessy stuff, you know, it's really meaningful. It goes a really long way. And in this particular case, this business didn't work out, but the investment of time and energy and resources that this business and, and the staff had made into this particular family produced an amazing result that will that will outlast the business and that that's really valuable that's the kind of value that you can't really attach a dollar sign to so um as i said good business is always done based on relationships and giving back is one way to get into the marketplace and build some really great relationships outside of your profit and loss statement and then to round out this episode of news entrepreneurs experience is Aston Martin. Yes, Aston Martin, the luxury car maker. You know what I I was surprised by? Is I was surprised by how many people I've spoken to about this particular um, headline that went, really? Really? Like a big company like that? They they, they pay 15% for their money? And they have like people that are not sure if they want to make the investment? Like, so just to put some context into all of this, uh, Aston Martin just it just it's just not doing well. Um, its stock has tumbled more than sixty percent, and that drop in its stock has forced them to go seek emergency funding and just to try and 
I guess, correlate those two things. Um, the stock price dropping is a result of the business uh, financials not looking great. So the company's not doing well. So the stock price drops, but because the business isn't doing well, it's running out of cash. So therefore it needs funding. And it secured, imagine this, it secured a $100 million line of credit, I believe, with a 15% interest rate associated with it. While it's out in the marketplace looking for investment capital, and at this point, it sounds like it's kind of going to take anything that it can. And the thread that I pulled out of this is, what entrepreneur cannot relate to this? Um, Having your back up against the wall, needing emergency funding, thinking that you've kind of lined up everything perfectly, that someone would just be tripping over themselves, a bank, lender, an investor, anybody would be tripping to invest money in your business only to find out that that isn't happening. And it doesn't matter whether you run a little tiny business or you run a publicly traded business that is massive. All you got to do is just add some zeros or take some zeros away. Emergency funding is expensive to do. And if you don't kind of have a plan for getting your business out of the jam that it is currently in, then you're going to find it very difficult to attract money. In fact, Aston Martin, just to show you how tough this is, and, and you're not that unique, your business isn't that special, um, Aston Martin went ahead and pre-sold 1,800 DBX uh, SUVs. So this is kind of what they're betting their future on, the DBX sports utility vehicle. And their turnaround plan, which they've presumably had a lot of smart people working on, suggests that they're going to they're going to need to in, they're going to need to manufacture 14,000 of these by 2023. So over the next couple of years, by being able to do that, they're going to turn their business around and their financials will fundamentally change. And so in order to try and create a good pitch and story for the investment community, they went out and pre-sold 1,800 of these vehicles. 1,800 pre-sales, and they still don't have a deal to turn their business around. Now, Aston Martin, because they're publicly traded, you know, the sharks will circle, there will be a a desperate deal done, and I'm sure Aston Martin will live to see another day. But I think that for entrepreneurs, I think that a lot of times you can bury your head in the sand and either ignore the seriousness of the challenges that you have, or put hope in some new idea that has no evidence of success. And so then what you look to do is in either of those cases, you look to go and find money only to find out that it isn't there. And it's frustrating because in your own mind, I think you really believe that things are going to be better. But if you can't demonstrate it, if you can't evidence it, if you can't show it, then it makes it even more difficult to try and attract capital. And I've always said, and people get annoyed uh, that I say it, but um, fixing a business doesn't get solved just because someone puts some more money into the business. Money only helps an actual solution that's already working get better results. And so a lot of times as an entrepreneur, you're going to have to kind of get honest with yourself and say, am I acknowledging all the challenges in my business? Am I doing something specific about the challenges that can be measured and adjusted? And if I were to take in money, very specifically, like what does that money do? Um, I know in my personal experience, I this I mean, I was, this was like a classic example of where I just thought throw money at it and it'll fix itself, and that did nothing. I mean, that bought me maybe sixty days of operating, but I didn't have a plan, and so that money just went up in smoke, and uh, it took me a while to pay it back, <laughs> even though it was an investment. 
And, um, I think that lots of entrepreneurs think that way. They just think, look, I just need some breathing room. If, 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 if I just had some money, everything would be great. And the truth is that, uh, that, that does just work. It's just not how it works. You have to have already made the changes, have already seen them working before you go out and find capital. And I think that's probably part of Aston Martin's fault or problem challenge, if you will, is that they haven't evidenced that even being able to manufacture these 14,000 SUVs over the next couple of years is a real plan. 1,800 pre-sales, you know, it's a pretty good start. That's, um, you know, more than 10% of what they're hoping to do, um, but it's not, you know, probably not enough. And they probably haven't demonstrated that internally their manufacturing process has been fixed or they've cut a lot of fat and their G&A costs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you do have to have a plan. You have to show that it's working. And if you can do that, then money's really just a, if we had money, the result would be this because we don't, it's this. And because it's this, it's just going to take us longer. Whereas if we had money, it would go faster and we could afford to pay for the money. So anyway, a whole bunch of stuff there for you to think about. Obviously what I try to do, um, or maybe not obviously, but what I try to do with recapping these headlines and pulling some threads out of them is to help you see that as an entrepreneur, you're just, you're not that special. I mean, you are, you're special. But the situation that you're in, the challenges that you're facing, they're not that special. They're not that unique. You're not that unique in having made the mistakes or bumping into the opportunities that you have. It's really a function of um, how wise can you be in the decisions that you make to pursue the courses of action that you take. And these headlines, uh, I think, are are just a way that you can think through some of the things that you're working on uh, in your business. And so I hope you found it valuable. Uh, If you did... Uh, it'd be great to to have this podcast rated or to share it because then it gets in front of other people and hopefully some other entrepreneurs. You could you could save an entrepreneur's life by rating or sharing this podcast. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm recently on Facebook now, so um, it'd be great to connect with you on Facebook. And um, send a question over, send a note over, send an email over. Make sure to get your BridgeCap account so that you can maybe ask some specific questions about your business after you get some context. And um, we'd love to help you fix, fund, or grow your business. That's what we're trying to do over at Bridge Capital. And that's what I spend my days doing. So if I can do that for you, I certainly would love to. And thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check out next week's episode.